trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Michael Duty and Emily Freshett, founder and organizers to save Kossuth Street Garden in Columbus, Ohio. Why would the city of Columbus want to zone away the right to exist for a well-established 15 years old community garden and what these folks are doing to save it? Michael Duty is a lifelong resident of Columbus. He's lived in his house near Kossuth Street Garden since 1996. He graduated in journalism from OSU and has volunteered with ComFest, Hot Times Community Festival, and for progressive candidates, and is currently the Block Watch Coordinator for Southern Orchards, bringing good dialogue between the Columbus Police Department and nearly 4,000 people in Southern Orchards. He is founder director of Kossuth Street Garden, and in 2007, he helped restart Earth Day Columbus. And that first year's theme was start a community garden, which they did. Emily Freshett is the Kossuth Street Garden manager, along with her husband. She grew up near Dayton, Ohio, and graduated from Ohio Wesleyan University with a double major in environmental studies and creative writing. They moved to the Southern Orchards area in 2012, lived and worked on a one acre micro farm near Deschler Park for several years and moved to another area of town and volunteered at the Kossuth Street Garden and then moved back to Southern Orchards in 2016 when they bought their house, which is right across the street from the Kossuth Street Garden, the reason they moved there. In 2018, Emily was elected president of the Central Ohio chapter of the Isaac Walton League of America, a national conservation group. Welcome, you both. Thank you. Thank you. So Kossuth Street Garden is a one acre organic community garden located at East Kossuth Street and South 17th Street, just south of Nationwide Children's Hospital and just east of German Village. Tell us about this community garden. Let's start with you, Michael. Well, it um, sits on an acre. We only take up about 130 feet by um, 60 feet. The rest is uh, vacant land. It was owned by the Salvation Army. We tried to buy it for $100,000, but um, they said $109,000. We'll get into that later. Um, but the garden itself is an award-winning garden, as you said. It was uh, the first garden uh, of the Revitalized Earth Day. And let it be known that Columbus, Ohio, through the efforts of greendrinks.org and then the city of Columbus took up took it up, uh, is now the largest Earth Day all-volunteer Earth Day in the United States. So uh, we're in pretty good shape. We're centrally located just south of Children's Hospital, right between Nationwide Children's Hospital and South High School. Uh, we work with uh, community members, uh, kids, uh, at-risk youth through the criminal or uh, juvenile court system, uh, and we've won awards for youth leadership and neighborhood improvement project garden of the year through Franklin Park Conservatory and have been uh, noted in uh, blog parts of the Atlantic Magazine, NPR, National Public Radio, not just in Columbus. My nephew heard us in Santa Monica, California. So uh, from my journalism uh, contacts, uh, we have a lot of good contracts and uh, we're hopeful uh, with some strong contacts with the Obama 
family to bring uh, Michelle Obama in as a supporter. We know how what she would tell the city of Columbus in regards to this, find a way. And so that's what we're doing. But the garden is more of an educational garden and Emily can speak to that as well as, you know, growing crops. And of course our memorials that we have for community activists uh, like Ruben Castillo Herrera uh, and Amber Evans, Emily Noble. We have police, fire, uh, that people that have been uh, killed in the line of duty that are there uh, memorialized. And we have cremains from our uh, Wiggles. Her grandmother was killed on Cleveland Avenue and she's our little librarian. She's 10 years old. So it's a neighborhood that's under great change. Some would call it gentrification and homes that used to be about 30 or $50,000 are now worth uh, being sold for $250,000. And we are in a tax abatement area. Although even though it's my own area, I think that they would be that mon that money would best be used further east, still in southern orchards. There's plenty of houses that are empty over there. Emily, why did you get involved with the garden, and what do you do now with the garden? Well, I got involved with the garden right around 2015 with my husband Daniel. Um, we had been managing a one-acre micro farm. And uh, we moved to a house that was in a residential neighborhood and our green thumbs just went crazy. We had to um, find a way to grow plants because we just couldn't stand not doing it. And there was Classic Street Garden. So I believe that we raised um, probably 30 or 40 at least tomato and pepper plants in solo cups. And we brought them and transplanted them into the garden. And we were pretty involved in Casa Street Garden, um, 2015 and 2016. And through our connections there, uh, we learned that the seller of our, our current home needed to find a buyer. And that's why we moved to where we are now and we bought our house. Um, it's because of its proximity to Casa Street Garden. And we really liked what Michael was doing with the garden. Um, it was definitely a point of neighborhood pride, um, definitely a landmark. And you have a lot of people coming through to enjoy the green space. Um, like Michael said, we're only taking up a small corner of this one acre field. But people are coming through all the time to let their dogs run in the field, uh, fly a kite, play football, etc. And the garden being there, that was just perfect for us because we were like, well, you know, it was a little lonely out on the micro farm. Here across the street garden, we got the chance to get, you know, actual engagement with other people. And it's been really fulfilling. Um, we have done a lot of educational programs. Um, in 2018, we did a program for the harvest party where we actually harvested the food grown in the garden. And then we had some help from volunteers to prepare it. We were able to serve flint corn tortillas and black beans and salsa with things that were grown in the garden. So it was really, you know, down to earth uh, from the roots to the table right there. Very satisfying. Um, my husband and I have been renovating the house for the past two years or so, so we really miss our involvement in Costa Street Garden. We haven't been out there very much the past couple of years now, um, but we really, really would love to get back into it. So hopefully we'll be out there doing some more things this year. I want to know about the community. I also want to let folks know uh, where you are in 
trying to save this garden um, from being rezoned, I guess is what, what it's at. Why don't you first tell us a little bit about the community itself, um, what was on that land um, before the Salvation Army had it, and then what kind of neighborhood it is, and then where are you in this fight? So do you want to start with that, Emily? Let's start with you this time. Sure. And Michael will be able to speak to this in more detail. Um, our garden is on land that, like you said, used to be owned by the Salvation Army. Before they had it, it used to be a meat slaughterhouse. And I believe that that was um, heavily involved with the Jewish community. Um, after it was a meat slaughterhouse, I think I've heard that it was a produce warehouse for a while. And then all of that was taken out and it became this empty field that we now have with Kasu Street Garden on the corner of it. Um, What's the neighborhood like? I mean, what what kind of um, residents, what kind of um, age range? What's it like? It's a very diverse neighborhood. We've got all kinds of different people, lots of different ages. Um, I will say that since I've moved into the area, um, it's improved a great deal. So there's a lot of, you know, people from different walks of life there. Um, Nationwide Children's Hospital, you know, is just north of us. And I think that, you know, we see some traffic from there. Um, maybe people who work there have come to live in the community. And then you also have, um, I believe there may be a subsidized housing project um, down on Whittier. So there's kind of a range of uh, economic levels in our neighborhood and certainly of, of color. We have a lot of different uh, races of people in our neighborhood, and we like it that way. We want to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. So we try to be as inclusive as we can in the garden. All right. Um, what about you, Michael? Um, tell us a little bit about some of the things that are memorable for you about this plot itself. And then where are you in the fight? Okay. Um, well, know that I've been coming to my house since 1982. Friends of mine got it as a dollar house and I would play cards. We'd hang out on a Friday night. And so, um, it was a dollar house because this was a tough, tough neighborhood. When I moved in in 96, um, just on a handshake deal with my friends, um, they needed a bigger house for their kids. Um, it was still a tough, tough neighborhood. And kids that I knew uh, were being gunned down. They were homicide victims. Um, we have a lot of drug activity, prostitution, human trafficking. And I said, well, uh, get involved. And so uh, the garden itself has been a real focal point. And people are saying, to segue into where we're at, uh, city staffers are saying, well, just move the garden. Just go move, move along. Um, Well, we sort of feel in a less harsher way than a Native American Indian tribe. Thanks for what you did by making this a nice place where gentrification can happen, if that's the name we're going to attach to it. And now just go. Um, we'll find you some other spot. Well, we think it's unique. Uh, it is uh, on a safe routes to school. Uh, then between Children's Hospital and um, South High School and a couple of grade schools around, uh, you know, you just don't move a living organism. It's not like a, a shoe store where move three blocks down and we've got a clientele. We believe that our solution is a win-win solution which is the garden stays, keeps improving the neighborhood, and would actually be economically beneficial to the developer that's going to build 10 homes on it. We're saying you're going to lose two homes, but look, you also have across the street in that 
deal that you got with the Salvation Army for the same amount of money that we offered. Um, I would refer people to the free press article from last month that explains a lot of that deal. Um, you can build your other two houses there. You've got 10 houses there on your property. Um, and please make them affordable homes if you can. We're not against development. Uh, I want to make that point absolutely clear that we think that we know that affordable housing is needed, but we also know that each neighborhood in Columbus has a unique spot and we don't want our neighborhood to lose this garden because of its unique site. Friends of mine, a friend of mine, her father was liberated from a Nazi concentration camp uh, at the end of World War II. This was the original Jewish home ownership neighborhood past the Donaldson Street ghetto, which is where the courthouse is now and I-70. Jews, their rents were too high. Um, they were moving up in the world after World War I. They moved in this neighborhood. But after World War II, these people that were liberated from Nazi concentration camps came to Columbus, Ohio, lived in Southern Orchards, worked at that uh, slaughterhouse. And my friend Faye, her father, got his economic toehold in America working there. One thing that I want to stress is about the garden is that uh, I want to put together a, a mural, which would be actually um, the generations of people that lived here from Native American Indians. This, this is called Southern Orchards because this was an orchard field. Uh, they fed uh, the Civil War soldiers and prisoners, and then the Appalachian Black migration from the South and then current. Where we are now is we're asking people to write city council. They can step in and say, look, let's make a deal. Uh, I'm not saying Monty Hall is still alive to come on board, but that we can say to the developer, look, you're asking a lot of the city for zoning variances and setbacks um, and things like this. You did say that you're going to ask for tax abatements. What do the citizens of Southern Orchards and Greater Columbus get out of it? The back, the front yards are going to be all in the backyards. They're sequestering the land, the green space. We also offer the city uh, the fact that in 2017, there was the civic agriculture study that said where this occurs, a farmer's market or a garden should take some precedent in the rezoning. Also, the climate change draft says that gardens are important and should be preserved in the city of Columbus as we go forward in zoning. Uh, we know what a garden does versus a building in regards to rainwater. This is a push of the city. So in summation, uh, we believe that the city needs to put soft words into hard action. And we ask people to write Tyson, Priscilla Tyson's aide, who is Nicole Harper. She's the repository for all emails at NN, as in Nicole, Nicole Harper at Columbus.gov. And I'll be meeting with some aides from city council tomorrow afternoon on a Zoom. And it appears that sometime in March, we will get a notice of when the actual public hearing and vote will be. So please and do we'll that. Get, we will do that. And I'll get the email on Facebook, um, Grassroot Ohio Facebook page, as well as that link when you find out the date that um, it's gonna be at the city council, let us know, we'll share that on Facebook. This is Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio. And today I'm talking with Emily Freshette and Michael Duty. They both are organizers and, and founder of Kossuth Street Community Garden. Um, I understand that the Franklin Park 
nominated you for a Growing to Green Neighborhood Impact Award in 2020. Your garden is so established, and I can I really think it would be so smart for city council to create a win-win situation. Like you said, it could be a historical um, green space with the community garden as well, um, because it has so much heritage for that part of of um, Columbus. Can you tell us a little bit about this award? And um, did they did you get nominated? You got nominated. What happened? And and I also want to hear about the memorials that you've had at the garden for folks that are have passed. And um, so let's start with the uh, the award, Michael. Sure. Uh, well, the first award we got from Franklin Park Conservatory Growing to Green Project, Bill Dawson uh, and the Ladies Auxiliary was in 2014. That was a youth leadership award uh, that we won. And this is of all gardens in central Ohio, community gardens. And then last year uh, we were nominated and won the neighborhood improvement project of the year, which is like an impact. Uh, basically uh, that says you guys are an important part of your neighborhood. With that award came a commendation plaque from Franklin Park Conservatory, but also a certification accommodation from all seven members of city council and all three Franklin County commissioners. And so um, we want to think that we get a pat on the back, but not a kick in the rump within 12 months. So uh, maybe Emily can speak about how other things have gone in the garden, but that's, that's the award process. Yeah, what about the memorials that you've had and the events that you have? Um, it looks like you, you have um, solstice events, you have musical events, you have harvest events. Um, do you have anything coming up in um, this cold polar vortex weather? We don't have anything immediately coming up, but since we have a little bit of time, we might do another candlelight vigil. Emily's husband is in a uh, group with Mark Hunter. Uh, Daniel and Mark are in Selassie. They have played uh, songs of social justice, Bob Marley uh, and other songs. We've had um, those memorials, uh, like I said, and um, uh, those are things that really are near and dear to our heart. Um, and so as far as anything future, we'll let you know. Uh, I'm sure that there will be at least one more thing because we just had something on Valentine's Day, which is a rally uh, to support the garden. And that was the group uh, Simply Living was involved, Our Revolution, and I hope I'm not leaving out any others. But um, yeah, and we've had uh, candidates uh, who want to come to the garden and work. Uh, and we can tell you which ones have actually rolled up their sleeves um, and, and come to work. Uh, there's some people that are in power now that would uh, like to see this happen. But we think that uh, the power of developers is pretty strong in this town. So to be quite frank, it's been an uphill battle. And the ask by the city is pressure on us to move and we're saying, well, how about some pressure on the developer to say, keep the garden, because that's what the people want. You take a poll of Southern Orchards, I'm sure. And by the way, the developer lost the zoning at the local level and it passed uh, at the uh, area commission level. And uh, then it passed the Columbus Development Commission. 
So the further you get away from the garden, the easier it is for people to make decisions that um, will impact negatively the people of a community. I think we see that as a political dynamic everywhere you go, but we're hopeful uh, that something can happen. And somebody uh, says, how would Michelle Obama vote on this? And if we do get Michelle Obama, as I've asked her to support us, and I've asked her to join us in a Zoom for Earth Day, what do you think Michelle Obama would tell our uh, Democratic representatives? I think she's all about healthy eating and community and kids and adults working together for a better community. Emily, I'd like to hear from you. What will be the best uh, method to win this? To what can city city council do to make the garden stay intact? Um, I wish I had an easy answer for that question. Um, to to give you a short answer, I think that if it were possible for them to make a deal with the developer so that he could build, say, eight of his 10 houses on the lot and we could keep our space, um, we have also offered to pay him uh, slightly more than what it cost him to buy that those two lots that would be underneath Kasu Street Garden right now. We've made that offer to him, so essentially to compensate him at cost for that land. I would like to see that happen. I think it's the fairest solution that I can imagine. Um, a question that's been looming in my mind, at least, is, you know, these green spaces or vacant lots in the city, they're usually owned by someone. And at what point do they get protected? How do, how do they, these pieces of property get zoned um, green spaces? I actually don't really know the answer to that question. Um, I also think, you know, from the developer's shoes, can the government tell someone who's bought property what they can do with that property? I don't think that is really a great idea. Um, but this is a special situation. This is an established garden. It has been here since 2007. And we've got a lot of people who want to see it stay there in Southern Orchards. And that's because it is a centerpiece of our community. We think that it, it would just damage the character of this neighborhood to lose it. So if the city council refuses to rezone, basically right from, from industrial to residential, um, then the person that owns now owns the land could not do it, could not um, build on this garden. How about you, Michael? Well, so it's zone commercial right now. And the... Uh, attempt is to build single family homes. Again, we're not against truly affordable homes. There is a lack of affordable homes in Columbus. The uh, ask would be to go from commercial to residential. Again, we're not against that zoning change, but we're having to use that as our, to be quite frank, as our coming to the table invitation. Uh, otherwise, we really wouldn't have had any recourse. And we believe that zoning is important uh, and feedback from a neighborhood. Otherwise, there would be no zoning uh, and you could do what you want. The developer has said, well, then fine. We will build uh, something on that. And basically, they're saying we would build a factory or, um, you know, they would do something in a commercial nature like shops. I've talked to developers and real estate people and they say doubtful 
because they would lose money on it. It just wouldn't work. Um, so they're pulling out every plug to, I'll use the word bully, uh, the powers that be and the people in the neighborhood and the supporters of the garden say, sure, if you don't want us to build homes there, we'll put up something within our rights to put up and you're going to hate it. <laughs> well, so they're not willing to negotiate at all. No, in fact, we got an eviction notice last week. It was served upon a resident of the neighborhood who had nothing to do with the garden. And it was addressed to sir or madams from uh, apparently a Jason Bloom representing definitely the developers. And so I said, can I help you, sir? And he said, well, I'm evicting this guy. I said, well, I own that house. It's my rental. And he said, oh, I said, what's the address? He said, 641 East Costly. I said, well, you'll want to go down there and serve the worms and the microbes in the soil because that's the address. Mm. Uh, I have served papers uh, in my line of work. I'm a fraud investigator. And so the guy, in fact, he helped, helped me push my car out of the snow. He goes, I feel terrible about this. And I said, it's your job. You know, we're, we're reasonable people and we're open to reason. We have offered to reduce the garden size. As Emily said, we've offered money that would be above, but the reply is no, it's all or nothing. So the bottom line is, well, that's what they say. It would harm our bottom line. Well, we say it would harm our neighborhood. We're offering a win-win proposal and the developers are offering a winner take all. And I think that when you saw what happened uh, here in, in America, that hopefully we're getting away from this winner take all. And most people would look at this and they said, oh, well, come on. Uh, they're offering compromise. You are not compromising at all. It's like the kid in the school yard that wants to bully the other kid. The other kids, can't, can't we be friends? Can we at least shake on it and not fight? but we're not going away and we're going to take this to city council. Uh, and we think that it shouldn't have gone this far. And we wish that um, the powers that be would have got ahead of this problem. So that's where we're at. So again, tell our listeners what they can do to help keep this garden intact. Sure. Right. Very simply, right. Nicole Harper, who is Priscilla Tyson is the zoning chair and council member. Nicole Harper is her aide. So it would be, N-N, as in Nicole, Nicole, Harper, H-A-R-P-E-R, at Columbus.gov. And we don't know when in March this is going to be heard or if it's going to be the first hearing, but go for it. Keep doing it. They should have hundreds of emails by now. Uh, and we're asking people finally to also include garden at gmail.com, K-O-S-S-U-T-H, so that we have a good accounting. We don't want them to say, well, we got 75 letters and we can say, well, we have an accounting that shows 450 letters. Do you get my drift? Mm -hmm, I do. That's what we're asking. All right, folks. Um, that's all the time we have today. Um, thank you for working so hard for this important green space and community space. And we'll do all we can to help. Appreciate Thanks the comments. All right. In addition to our Friday 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRN.org, Grassroot Ohio will now air on Sundays at 2 p.m. on WCRSFM.org, 92.7, 98.3 Columbus, and at 4 p.m. on WEJPLP, 
107.1 FM in Wheeling, Moundsville, West Virginia. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back. I'm down